Hi, I'm Kurt Witt, Marketing Manager for Wind Instruments for Yamaha. During these podcast episodes, we've had a chance to profile a number of musicians, many of whom may be household names or whose music you've heard. We've also had the chance to give some insights on some players who maybe you've not heard of, whose music may not be quite as mainstream. In today's episode, we're going to have a chance to do just that and listen to trombonist cellist composer Dana Leong, who at the age of 25 is fast making a name for himself in the vibrant New York jazz scene. All About Jazz in New York called Dana one of the top 10 performances of the year in New York City. The Chicago Tribune had this to say, Dana Leong crafts lines of sublime lyric content. The Boston Globe called him multifaceted. And the Philadelphia Inquirer had this to say, Dana has sizzling, highly stylized solos. Not only did I have a chance to sit down and chat with Dana in October of 2006, but I also went to hear his band perform that evening. And I got to tell you, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Not only was the music at a at an unbelievable level, the performers, the atmosphere, the mood all came together to make quite an unbelievable night and some unbelievable music. I'm sitting here today with trombonist, cellist, composer, arranger, musician. I don't really know what to call you. Uh, Dana Leon, and uh, your style is so eclectic. It seems like on any given day you could wake up and be playing any style of music on any of six different instruments and mm-hmm. you must have a, a very versatile personality to do all of that sure yeah 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 definitely it's a, it's a it's a good point in my life right now where I'm getting to do a lot of different things and uh, it was sort of always a dream too uh, you know even before I started studying you know seriously in, in college or anything like that uh, Dana, do you consider yourself primarily a, a cellist, a trombonist, a producer, or just a musician? What do you, what do you classify yourself as? Um, well, it sort of goes with whatever the moment is calling for at, at the most, like as far as my own calling. And right now I really am focused very strongly on, on performing uh, out live with my own bands and with other bands. So uh, I would say that I'm a musician that, that happens to play the cello and the trombone. And then, as a as a side, uh, as sort of as a as a uh, result of that, I also do a lot of production uh, for myself and for other artists. Yeah. Tell me more about the about your group uh, and the the eclectic styles. I think you described it as a a fusion of electronic hip hop, jazz, funk, rhythms, and rock. Yep, that's exactly it. <laughs> um, what is what does that mean? Well, basically, as as a kid, I grew up. Uh, really liking certain aspects of, of uh, R&B and hip-hop music and then as I started to study more in jazz and, and find out more about the roots of jazz and funk and uh, I started to also explore the other side uh, uh, for me it's sort of divided between either going down the road of, of something influenced by groove and R&B and harmony and, and, uh, and hip-hop or going down the other road and, and being uh, influenced by pure raw energy, electronic energy that comes from uh, a lot of the, the lineage of rock music. And so I've been trying to bring together the most exciting elements of both rock and hip hop together into one one single project. And the trombone doesn't seem to be a good fit with any of that, does it? But yet you make that work on you know, what seemingly is a non-electronic hip hop raw energy instrument, but it sure. it absolutely works in that setting. Yeah, yeah, you never would have guessed, but uh, 
you know, it's it's very it's a very interesting instrument to watch and to hear uh, because it has the you know just an acoustic sound. It has a sheer force that can just drive through a lot of different musical settings, as well as just having the long slide and a lot of metal and brass and a bell, big bell next to your head. It it just uh, sort of. Uh, lends itself to being a very exciting performing instrument. You mentioned something really interesting, that the trombone is a, an exciting instrument to watch in a live setting. Right. You, you have some of your videos online, and you're a very aggressive player, and I bet that helps to communicate the energy to the audience, unlike you could maybe as a keyboard player, sure. or you know, right. many in the same way as the drummer does. Right, right, definitely, and uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can move around, you can jump, you can you can run, you can, you can get interactive with the audience. Uh, I've been in situations where I was uh, fortunate enough and crazy enough to jump into the audience <laughs> with your trombone. With with the trombone, yeah, much like uh, a rock singer or a rock guitarist might body surf. It's definitely possible with the trombone as well. <laughs> to it a you know what's a, a pretty young age of what 25 uh-huh. have a, a, a pretty big picture outlook on the business of being a musician sure. and of you know managing your career and of kind of understanding what it takes um, that not a lot of people at that age have tell me more about that sure um, a big part of, uh, of my development Definitely, first and foremost, goes to uh, one of my one of my uh, main professors from Manhattan School of Music, uh, who is David Taylor, the great bass trombonist, and uh, he was uh, sort of like a musical father to me ever since I moved to New York, and really, really uh, posing interesting questions that you know were very thought provoking, and, and uh, always opening up doors, and and he was he was gracious enough to take me under his wing, and also you know show me different you know all, all the different scenes that he's been involved in and he's you know been as as diverse as anybody you could ever imagine going from jingles to broadway to symphony you know the symphony hall when he played under uh, bernstein and and uh and stockhausen and and, uh, and he also played uh with ellington on the last tours and jaco pastorius and aretha franklin anybody you can think of he's you know he's been there and done that so he's definitely uh kept me thinking and kept me on my toes and kept me wondering and, and uh, got me, you know, to really be uh, persistent and uh, and to taught me, you know, taught me about the hustle, basically. <laughs> but the, saying that the hustle in a good way, meaning yeah. having your, you know, having your thing together so you right. know clearly where your direction is and knowing what it is you want to do and knowing what 
the, your message is. Right, right. And always keeping an open mind to, to continue ex exploring and, and finding out, you know, even if you think you do know exactly what you want, sometimes, you know, you're, you're well, actually all the time, you're going to get, you know, you're going to have uh, temptations from other areas. You're going to see other people doing things and decide you might want to follow the, you know, follow the crowd or follow the bandwagon. And you're going to have to try things for yourself as well and keep experimenting and, uh, you know, keep moving in your own direction ultimately. But uh, you've also been very involved in the electronic side of, of music, recording and producing and Absolutely. integrating the your laptop into the shows again the cello and trombone being relatively traditional acoustic instruments that don't necessarily have a lot of connection yet right. you've integrated that into your total approach of you know electronics and how you use it within your music um, that that too has been a, a natural development uh, which has been going on for about the last uh, four years or so I uh, originally had no no knowledge or any interest in, in electronic music. I mean, I was studying strictly orchestral cello and, and playing sonatas and concertos and then studying jazz trombone and learning all the standards and playing, you know, to Jamie Abersold and playing in combos and all, all that stuff. I took uh, a pretty basic remedial class about MIDI and re recording and computers when I was in college and still nothing really ever clicked until well, I was about two or three years out of school and all of a sudden I decided you know maybe I should pick up a you know a keyboard at least so I have something to play on and that sort of just spawned into you know from there I said well what if I you know revisit the MIDI thing and check out the connection between the computer and so slowly by building up a home studio and now that that lineage has gone all the way up till today where now I've had uh, my own personal recording studio in Manhattan up uh, up in Harlem for uh, a year now, a year and a month. It's been 13 months uh, September and we've got multi-track with Neve, you know, Neve preamps and Neumann mics, all the, you know, great stuff, drums and roads and everything, you know, in a floating room. It's come a long way, but at the same time, uh, I've also been keeping up just by reading and, and being a, you know, a technology geek and seeing what's coming out and always testing things and, uh, and tweaking and trying to see what things might work for me as well. I've been able to develop a live approach where I integrate the computer uh, where the cello and the trombone are both fed uh, live through a, a computer laptop on stage. experiences with Yamaha instruments? Um, well, I've actually been playing Yamaha f 
for, wow, it's got to be at least uh, 14 years now because I actually got, uh, after, after I borrowed a trombone for a number of years from uh, elementary school, in middle school, uh, I got, uh, as a gift, I got uh, my first uh, trombone that I owned, which was a Yamaha uh, intermediate model which I still have today and it still sits as back up to uh, the compact trombone that I recently got uh, this year. My involvement with uh, the compact trombone was I saw it uh, briefly at the brass conference, the New York City brass conference, uh, got to trying it and was completely amazed that you know a, a, uh, a compact version of a trombone you know had some fully functioning parts, uh, you know, I had a fully functioning slide and a full-size bell and high-quality brass and lacquer and all that stuff, as well as a, you know, fully functioning trigger and a completely open, uh, you know, beautiful sound as well. And uh, I tried very hard to find one at first and, and was unable to, but now I think they're, they're pretty widely available. That's a pretty interesting instrument, and, and your application for it is, is a, again, pretty unique a horn that's a little smaller sure just in terms of the size because of the way that the trigger is for you as a traveling touring musician that's a, a huge benefit for you isn't it I can't I can't say enough good things about that because uh, yeah I, I used to have a lot of trouble even just trying to get on the get on the uh, plane with a gig bag and people would always want to you know the airlines would want to grab the the soft case and check it in and you know you and I both know as trombonists that that's pretty uh, yeah. <laughs> detrimental to it. <laughs> no good comes from that. <laughs> no good comes from that. Absolutely not. Yeah. So now you know. I mean, it's it's. I'm carrying the tr compact trombone. It's roughly the size of a of an average violin case, and nobody ever says anything. And even you know when the day comes when somebody does, I can you know I can always say, well, you can't touch my Stradivarius. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just get on the plane. <laughs> So you've used that line? Uh, I've had to <laughs> once, but... Uh... <laughs> but yet the, the compact trombone and what it was originally designed for, for use by you know, smaller children, actually works out very well in your situation as sure. a quality musical instrument that happens to be a great size. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And the, the, the positions are right in place, everything's in tune, it plays completely open. Um, anybody I've shared it with has been completely just absolutely surprised as I am every time I you know I pick it up but uh, you're also playing the Yamaha silent cello yes uh -huh. on a number of occasions I've been, uh, been doing uh, clinics and outreach and, and uh, concerts on the silent cello as well when people see that instrument you know it's a cello missing the, the body <laughs> right right it must uh, cause some people to take a second look and yeah. see where, where the rest of the instrument go right 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 um, well the interesting thing is uh, I was lucky enough that this year I took a trip in February to Japan to work directly with uh, some of the string developers in uh, in putting out a new prototype that's going to come out later this year, and uh, I'm really really excited about it actually because uh, it's it's really uh, leaps and bounds ahead of the original silent cellos. I know they've made uh, I think they've made two generations by now, and this is the third uh, prototype that's going to come out, and they're going to release it. They're going to fully market and release it, uh, uh, I, I believe they're projecting for the fall of this year, and uh, you know, after working with them for about a week in Japan and Hamamatsu in the uh, headquarters, uh, we're definitely sure that this thing is, is ready to go. Like, if you, didn't, if you didn't see the instrument, you would never know that it was, you know, an, uh, that, it, that it was exactly what it was, that it was a funky looking, you know, 
hollow frame frame without a body you know is that something that's important to you as an artist that you feel like you've been listened to and your ideas and input has been been used in the development of your tools absolutely uh, you know I've been I was I was actually very uh, uh, I was very cautious before I wanted to uh, make any decisions about playing exclusively on any instruments and uh, just the fact that uh, you know John Whitman and, and Yamaha were so responsive to the fact that I that I uh, had mentioned that I think that if, you know improvements could be made to the instrument that they you know they suggested that I go to Japan and meet with the designers and help them to make things you know what I saw, what I felt was right and uh, you know having done a lot of research on uh, on just compression and and uh, and different uh, you know different elements that uh, create the sound when when electronically producing and amplifying uh, an acoustic cello um, I felt that that I had a lot of things to offer to them and and uh, it was great that they were open to listening to that and uh, yeah, yeah it makes me even more comfortable knowing that, that that's always you know an option that we have an open dialogue and an open relationship Playing both trombone and cello would seem to be two very opposite instruments, yet they have a very similar range, uh, a somewhat similar tone, and, and perhaps musically a, a similar approach. Tell me about that. Yeah, definitely. You're absolutely right. Uh, similar repertoire. Um, although physically they're, they're a little bit different, um, they're both unfretted instruments that you, know, you, have, you have to completely control the pitch with uh, whatever mechanism that's, that's working the instrument. Um, they're also the only instruments that read all of the clefs from bass, bass, uh, tenor, alto, and treble, uh, and both tenor instruments that sort of parallel with uh, the human voice, the ma the male human voice specifically. Um, so those those are some joining factors. Although everything else is uh, pretty much up in the air and has to be dealt with on a on a singular basis. Physically, though, the, the mechanics that it takes to play both those instruments are quite different. Sure, yeah. Um, they, they are completely different instruments. I've tried to um, extract different technical elements from each and bring them back. Uh, more, most specifically, uh, strength points that I find on either instrument. Uh, since uh, you know, I, st I started both of them as a child, and uh, I played predominantly classical music on both of them for a little while, but then I started to play more jazz on the trombone. And finally, when I went to college, I actually did a double degree in orchestral cello, playing classical music and jazz trombone, playing big bands and combos. And then I sort of, did, on my own, decided to start crossing the two and, and finding out ways to improvise on the cello, as well as you know ways to open up my sound and play you know orchestral excerpts and solos and you know that background and that training has really opened up some great avenues for you. You've done a lot of playing recently with Paquito sure. de Rivera and his project, yeah. subbing for a, a great cellist. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed, yeah. Uh, Paquito de Rivera has a, a project he calls the Jazz Chamber Trio, and it has a wonderful lineage of cellists that have, uh, that have been in the group. Uh, it's pianist Alon Yavnayi on, you know, playing keyboard, and sometimes he'll also play organ, and uh, Paquito de Rivera playing clarinet and uh, alto saxophone as well. And a lot of times it's uh, Mr. Yo-Yo Ma playing cello, and 
So when he's busy, then you sub for him. Exactly. Yeah. Either he or, or uh, either I or or uh, cellist from Turtle Island, Island String Quartet, Mark Summer, would be involved. But a lot of the a lot of the dates recently I've been doing because uh, Paquito um, likes the fact that I can play two instruments and they're totally different, just like his you know his clarinet and his his alto sax. And then also we are not we're not uh, limited to playing just chamber music and written jazz music. Uh, and written solos and that that type of stuff. He can completely leave the page, and he definitely does. <laughs> Is that kind of by design as you look at your career and where you're going that you've kind of made yourself a versatile kind of niche that there's nobody else that can take your place and, you know, nobody that does what you do. Right, right. Well, for now, yeah, it's sort of, uh, it's sort of an interesting... Uh, I've, I've sort of created an interesting... Uh, unique niche for myself. I didn't really ever plan for that, but it just sort of uh, happened by, by me following, you know, my own beliefs and my own, uh, my own tastes. And unfortunately, yeah, it just sort of shaped into that right, for now. through your website the other day and you've got a, a pretty interesting collection of pictures with celebrities. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've had taken. I, I saw Robba Williams, sure. Dr. Ruth. Tell me about uh, that. You've had some interesting encounters. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of them are, are, uh, are musically related. You know, I can attribute that to uh, uh, just the fact that I'm a traveling working musician. Uh, I, read, I met Robin Williams uh, earlier this year. We were filming uh, in Central Park for a new movie that's coming out next year called August Rush. And uh, Robin Williams portrays sort of a street hustler who finds young talent and exploits, <laughs> exploits the talent. So uh, he's sort of the, the villain in the movie. And uh, Carrie Russell is also uh, in the movie and uh, Terrence Howard. and seems like it's going to be an interesting movie and uh, I'm uh, in the final scenes of the movie when uh, the young protagonist child is uh, conducting the New York Philharmonic in his debut concert and I'm the uh, principal cellist in the orchestra. So. so now you're a triple threat, trombonist, cello, and actor. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> never, never a dull day in the life of uh, Dana Leon. When you go to Starbucks, what do you order there? <laughs> well, I don't drink coffee, so if I do end up going in there, I'll, uh, I'll probably order a, a tea or a, or a chai or something like that. You're the second musician in two days I've talked to that doesn't drink coffee. Wow. Yeah, it's been only a handful of times. Uh, Why don't you I, drink coffee? 
I think I have enough temptation. <laughs> in, in <laughs> enough vices in your uh, life. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody goes anywhere in New York City without a cup of Starbucks. Sure, sure. Yeah, I've been known to you know to hit an espresso every couple months. But uh, what are you listening to on your iPod right now? Honestly, it's uh, it's it's a big mix of stuff. But uh, I've been trying to delve into. Uh, a lot of things just for the production elements of them. So uh, I've been listening to a lot of the uh, current hit records that have been done in really, really big studios to try and get a sense of matching the sounds and uh, matching just the propulsion of volume that, that they can put out. People like Avril Lavigne and, uh, and uh, Radiohead and, uh, and Keen and a lot, of the, a lot of the newer rock bands and, and pop rock bands as well as a lot of the hip hop people. So you're listening to music for for work, <laughs> kind rather of, yeah. than for for enjoyment. I mean, I really do enjoy it. Uh, you know, there's there's something you know there's something to be said for you know spending three hundred thousand dollars in the studio and making a, a completely pristine project, uh, and uh, being able to bring that to the stage is another element, though. So that's where my head is being able to take all that and extract it into the, in a new CD for uh, you know for the new year, and also to bring that to the stage. Tell me a little bit about some of your recording projects, both that you've been involved in with other people and uh, with your group. If somebody was listening and say, hey, that you know, it's Dana Long sounds, you know, really interesting. I'd like to pick up some more of his recordings. What what should people look for to get a good sampling of of what your music is? Wow. Um, well, so far this year, I've released my debut CD, which is entitled Dana Leon Quintet Leaving New York, and. Uh, it's it's a pretty good idea of uh, of my composition and uh, and musical styles and and showcases me playing on cello and trombone and a little bit of uh, some keyboards and, and electric bass, but it also showcases uh, a lot of my favorite musicians that I've met over the years of the course over the course of being in New York, um, including Christian McBride on bass and uh, Paquito de Rivera playing clarinet and uh, Jason Lindner on uh, all sorts of keyboards, piano, organ, Rhodes, uh, clav- clavinet, and, uh, and Moog synthesizer. And uh, uh, two of my favorite violinists, uh, Christian Howes, who's a fellow Yamaha affiliate, and, uh, and Alan Grubner, who's a fantastic young violinist and violist as well. Uh, it's, uh, I would say it's a mixture of, of uh, chamber music because of the sheer instrumentation, but also uh, very groove-oriented. We have, uh, oh, Tony Escapa as well on the drums. He's a fantastic young drummer from Puerto Rico. And uh, it's a nice it's a nice matter. We have uh, Baba Israel appears on one track. He's rapping. Uh, so it's a nice mix of, of uh, harmony, like cinematic rich harmony, but but propelled with, you know, very jazz-oriented jazz and, and groove-oriented uh, rhythms. Is it hard to find a... A, a term or a category when you describe to people your music to, you know, to call it because you're really you're talking about a category that doesn't necessarily exist, like yeah. you classify music as traditional or sure. jazz fusion or smooth jazz. None of those really terms capture what you do. Right, right, yeah. Which is why I'm starting to really value. Uh, well, I've always valued live performance the most as far as uh, you know being able to really display uh, accurately what what uh, you know what the music is and letting people judge for themselves and then secondly uh, 
the development of videos now with you know with my website and everything I've got videos up and people can see exactly how it is that those instruments all fit together even though you would never be able to imagine what happens if you put percussion with a drum set with a harp with two organ keyboards and uh, you know a rapper and a trombone and a cellist in a room and and, and if you looked go. at that combination on a recorder you think I don't really want to take a chance that this might not be what I like but now right you, know, you can view anything online and sure get a chance to experience do you think this is really the start of a new era for the for a musician like yourself to expose your music to a whole world of people that wouldn't have had a chance to check that out five years ago even absolutely absolutely um, even as a, as a as an unsigned artist uh, there's still many many options to get exposure for your music with you know the advent of communal network marketing with MySpace and Friendster and these type of online communities um, as well as the uh, you know internet the internet age with uh, with podcasts like what we're doing right now and uh, with streaming internet and streaming uh, radio stations and interviews there's a lot more options for an independent artist to, to put music out how can people find out more about you um, your, your website your activities your schedule and your recordings how can people find out more sure um, well I'm keeping a, a myspace page at www.myspace slash Dana Leong D-A-N-A-L-E-O-N-G and I also have my main uh, domain which is DanaLeong.com so either of those are fine and uh, through there they can sign up through a mailing list or view videos and download music and tell me where your travels are taking you to next uh, well I'm gonna be going next month to the Duke Ellington Jazz Festival in Washington, D.C., where I'm going to be a guest with the uh, Dizzy Gillespie Alumni Big Band and the United Nations Jazz Orchestra, and also uh, a New York-based percussionist named uh, Pernil Saturnino, who's uh, been a staple member of Paquito de Rivera's touring groups. He's uh, leading a collaborative concert between North American percussionists and a group of South American percussionists, so he's gonna feature uh, those people all together as one big group, and also a horn section comprised of myself, uh, Paquito de Rivera, and John Faddis. Dana, thanks for taking the time to talk about your your career. Again, your style of electronic hip-hop, jazz, funk, rhythms, and rock is something that, that personally, as a musician, I'm very impressed with. And I think people that, that check out your music will be really turned on to some new ideas that you're bringing to the market. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kurt. And thanks again for your support of the Yamaha Instruments. I'm glad they were able to be a part of your career. Absolutely, yeah. I, 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 can, I can foresee that for, uh, for a while now. For time to come. It's going to be an exciting time.
Thanks again. Absolutely.